the uh, so the reason I wanted to have you on was to talk about the idea of Medicaid Medicare uh, expansion into vision services and sort of kind of get your stance from an S, from a TPC standpoint as well as just from a practitioner standpoint uh, on your thoughts and then potential pitfalls. So thanks for doing this. Oh, no problem. Glad to be on. Well, tell me about um, tell me about the changes. So just in general, the changes that would occur within Medicare. Yeah, well, right now, obviously, everything's still very up in the air. You know, um, at this point, we're looking at possibly legislation that will approve this going forward. Um, and then once they they have that in place, then, you know, the regulators have to get in and put everything into place on how it's going to work. Um, so so that's where the AOA really comes in. I mean, we're really in there, you know, right from the beginning, trying to, you know, help guide them on the best way to do this, you know, so it's less less impactful on our practices in a negative way. Um, so what we're hoping to see happen is that basically Medicare stays the same as it works now. You know, most of us are providers on there, the credential, we're, most of us are already credential on there and to credential to be on, it would be essentially the same. Um, a good number of our Medicare patients already get eye, part of their eye exams, the medical part covered through Medicare as it is now, you know, based on medical diagnoses. So, so we're hoping to kind of just add a benefit onto that where, you know, a refraction potentially could be covered because obviously we all know the refraction is not covered. Um, and that can be a barrier for some people getting in and, um, you know, getting their eye exam done. So maybe having some kind of um, year or every two year refraction benefit and then have a way that, you know, patients that don't have a medical diagnosis for their eye exam could get an eye exam covered, you know, through Medicare, either one every one or two years, you know, that's all still up in the air. We're kind of pushing for a yearly benefit. Um, but how often, know. Steve, sorry, I, mm -hmm. I want you to keep going, but how often do you see, I, I'm always shocked by this for a number of reasons. One is because I have patients that, uh, I've never seen for any refractive condition. I've only seen them for, for their medical conditions. And then they come in with Medicare one year and somebody sold them mm -hmm. a, a supplemental benefit for vision. And now they think, uh, well, my Medicare doesn't cover vision. Well, no, it does cover, it does cover your eyeballs. Uh, but some, mm -hmm. but then they think I've had patients actually with like two plus nuclear sclerotic cataracts that had LASIK 10 years ago that are 72 years old. They come in and I, and they've got 20, 30 vision from their cataracts. And they tell me, I, I just want my, my vision benefits because I don't have cataracts. It's like, well, but you do. And that's why you're not seeing well. So, um, so that's the, I guess my point in saying that is how often do you see a Medicare patient that doesn't have a medical diagnosis. Hello and welcome to Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a great conversation with Dr. Steve Ice about the inclusion of vision benefits and materials within Medicare. It was really helpful for me to work through some of the potential pitfalls of this with Steve and understand why, why it doesn't make sense that those things would happen. So please enjoy our conversation. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. We've been providing myopia control treatments in our practice for years. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, CooperVision has received FDA approval of its innovative MySight one-day contact lens. This will be the cornerstone of a comprehensive myopia management approach to be offered by CooperVision. This daily wear, single-use contact lens is the first and only FDA-approved product 
clinically proven to slow the progression of myopia when initially prescribed for children 8 to 12 years old and when compared to children in the control group wearing a single vision one day contact lens. Check out the show notes for all the specific prescribing details and to get more information about this lens and how you can begin to offer it in your practice. Yeah, it, it's really pretty rare. Um, honestly, for me, it's, um, you know, occasionally, it's basically patients that are, are have disabilities, you know, tend to be younger with disabilities. You know, I, I have probably, I would probably say I have two dozen patients off the top of my head that I can think of that come in on Medicare and maybe half that are younger than 65 and don't really have a, a solid medical diagnosis, you know. You, so so it's not a lot. I don't think it's a high percentage. And, and I think that's a piece that makes this really, you know, kind of beneficial for us, you know. Putting this into Medicare really shouldn't be a huge cost addition, you know, to the, to the Medicare system. I mean, really a majority of the Medicare beneficiaries are getting a level of eye examination done already under the current system. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I mean, from, from that standpoint to me, um, eliminating the confusion that patients have when they buy something that they don't necessarily need, essentially what they're buying is a, a prescribed benefit on a managed vision care plan that they may not even, you know, need glasses and they're essentially paying for uh, the, the ability to buy glasses at a discount when they don't even need glasses or want glasses. And then, um, and they already have something else covered. So there's a ton of confusion. So in that sense, I'm like, yes, this makes it. This this makes sense. My concern, and you you alluded to this to before, is is sort of the devils are the devils in the details. You know, are we going to get um, less reimbursement for uh, for a refractive diagnosis? Is the patient going to have no copay for a refractive diagnosis? And then they're going to want you to bill for a refractive diagnosis. Uh, when they have a medical condition and we're going to have to start fighting those battles. Those are the things that concern me about all of this. What do you guys think about it? I'm sure you've thought about that. So what do you think? Well, about it? Right. And, and that's why we're trying to keep it. And, and just on a side note, some of what we're hearing from Capitol Hill is part of the reason that they're looking to incorporate this into standard Medicare is allowing vision, hearing and dental to be in Medicare will allow Medicare to compete with some of these Medicare Advantage plans. You know, the, you know, these, like you said, these plans are selling patients on dental, hearing, and vision, and kind, especially in the vision piece, kind of don't understand that that they already have most of it covered. So this will allow patients to stay in standard Medicare and still have that kind of coverage and not have to jump to the Medicare Advantage where we start running into the vision plans and the discount plans. Um, so again, like, like you said, if we can make this where the refraction now, Honestly, I think we're going to see a, a cost-controlled refraction. I mean, you know, there, Ruck has valued a refraction. I believe it's like twenty-five-ish dollars. So, so yeah, but that's that's more than what a managed vision care plan values it at. Well, right? and exactly, and, and, and it stinks for you and me because we understand the value of our refraction. But there's a lot of people that that probably that might be actually that might be a benefit. Right? That might be better than what mm-hmm. they're charging right now for refraction. Oh, right. And if we can, if we can keep that 92014-99214 vision um, visit still on the Medicare fee schedule, you know, your overall picture is going to be better, even if you lose a little on the refraction in the short term. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's true. And I also think if patients now think they have, you know, because there is still this barrier of patients who think, well, I can't see you, even when they have Medicare, I can't see you 
because I don't have vision. Well, you know, there's just this mass confusion. So if we can eliminate that, then more people have access to, to services. More people are going to have their glaucoma, their macular degeneration detected. I mean, I, I see the bigger picture. I think that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, the unknowns of how it's administered is, is what concerns me a little mm-hmm. bit. Right. And, um, and, and that's where, you know, our plan of trying to keep it in Medicare really helps because, you know, like you said, you don't play this game. Well, does this go to vision? Does this go to medical? Um, and, you know, I know some doctors out there will see patients twice so they can take care of their vision exam and then take care of their medical exam. So, so that's kind of a situation where getting into the vision plans could actually cost Medicare more because it's going to kind of increase the number of visits where yeah. if they're just covering that refraction piece or, you know, a, a, an office visit on a routine diagnosis once every year or two years for those that don't have it, it'll actually really contain the cost much better. So that that's something to our advantage there. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And I think the, um, well, let me, let me throw this out because I think this mm-hmm. is interesting. My, um, so my primary care physician, when I had a kidney stone a couple of years ago, I hadn't seen him. Um, he was my running buddy and he was also, but I hadn't seen him as a physician. I hadn't seen him as a patient for uh, ever. And so I, I, I went to him and what I noticed in his billing was he was able to bill a well visit and the problem focus visit at the same time. Is there, is there any opportunity that that happens uh, within this new system or they're just going to keep using CPT as it is, exists? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I, there, there's always a possibility, you know, I, I won't say that that won't happen. Um, I, I think we would prefer to stay in CPT again, because, you know, the refraction is already a CPT code. So we don't really need to create a new code for that and creating a, a new wellness code or a G code or somehow using the S codes really opens that door to the vision plans, getting in there and, and trying to fill that void. And as we all know, with the vision plans, as they stand now, they'll tell us, well, you can't bill us when you're billing a medical visit at the same time. So even if Medicare doesn't have a problem with it, we could run into issues with our contracts with the vision plan. So, so we'd, we'd rather not go down that road if we can help it, obviously. But, but if it goes that direction, that's something we would definitely advocate for to be able to do both, you know, like your, right. like your family physician. Right. You have a medical, yeah, you have a medical problem that I have to manage here, which is outside of the comprehensive care I've got to provide over here. Mm-hmm. Did, um, so what are your thoughts on DMERC and, and, um, and how that's going to be administered? Do you think it's going to be very similar to post cataract glasses or what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think it'll be similar. Um, you know, again, I know that's an area of angst for a lot of providers. You know, DMERC is expensive to credential with. You have to keep it up every so often. And, and honestly, for the average optometrist out there, they're probably not seeing enough post-op classes to make it worthwhile. Um, yeah. Obviously, if everyone has a benefit through it, you know, going forward, that would change, you know, the, you know make it worth credentialing. But um, we, we would try to advocate for lowering or eliminating those credentialing costs, you know, to kind of open up um, access for, for beneficiaries. So, so that's one thing we would try to advocate for, you know, when, if and when it goes there. Um, you know, hopefully we'll see a situation where they're kind of just talking about a dollar amount every two years or every year. You know, it's, it's kind of going back and forth right now. So, I, you know, we would rather not get into where you have to code every lens item and whether it's covered or not. You know, we're hopefully going to see it just a dollar amount that we'll be able to just bill it as a dollar amount and it'll just be reimbursed to you. And then the patient pays the difference. You know, yeah. and of course, the advantage to that is 
you know, the patient can go anywhere. They can shop around, they can buy whatever discounts, whatever deals they can find that they feel they're comfortable with. And then they get, you know, let's say a hundred dollars off of what they, what they paid for, you know, and that, that kind of works in the benefit of everybody, you know, less administration on our part, less administration on DMERC's part, um, less hoops for the patient to jump through then, and they have full access to where they want to go. So what would the, so there's clearly some opposition to the way we're trying to, um, the way we think it benefits patients and providers the best mm-hmm. if this happens. Where uh, the, the people who oppose this, or who, who want, not necessarily oppose it, but who want to shift it to, to a managed vision care plan administered um, component, what would they say um, about, what would they say about that? How, what, what are their arguments? Yeah, I mean, I think really their strongest argument would be they would have to find a way that they're going to provide better value and cost containment for the beneficiary and, and cost containment for Medicare. Um, and like I said, in this situation, it's, it's not a slam dunk for them. Um, you know, Medicare is already paying for these medical exams and will continue to have to pay for the medical exams. Um, refraction is going to be a small piece dollar-wise Um, You know, so to kind of put a a vision plan in the middle of that and limit access for patients and, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's kind of a little trickier um, argument on their side. And of course, they're going to still try to do it. They're going to say we can provide, you know, these products at a discount, you know, they're going to kind of go down that, that avenue, but that's where we really have to advocate and say, well, listen, you know, the discounts come at a disadvantage to the patient, you know, they, they, it limits their choice. It limits their access. And the bottom line is those, these vision plans have to get paid somehow. So the money is going to come out of the system and go to them where, you know, they're going to be some kind of middleman. So if, if we just kind of take the middleman out, it should be just more cost effective for everybody. Well, and as you said, people have the ability to, to figure out which discounts, which types of frames and lenses and how, how cost effective or, you know, that they want to get that system already exists. Mm-hmm. So they could they could choose something that's very inexpensive at store X and something that's very um, less expensive because of their other means at store Y, and um, and the whole playing field is exactly the same. You know, the, the playing field is leveled. And um, yeah, I really find a hard I, I have a hard time figuring out how they would how a managed vision care plan would sit in the middle and administer it more effectively. My understanding, and it's probably wrong. I probably need to talk to them, but you know, my understanding is that the way that they work now so much is just utilization. You know, there's so so small or such a small portion of utilization of the benefits that they sell that they're you know they have that as an arm to drive revenue, but then they have the other arm of I they own lenses, they own frames. So when you purchase those, they have the you know, and then they incent you know as you know, then they incent people to buy different. You know, if, if this doctor, if Doctor X has uh, this many frames in his office that is from the manufacturer that also owns the uh, the managed vision care plan, then they're going to be they might have lower copays for that doctor or, or whatever, right? So, so like there's all these things that go on the back end that people don't see, the public doesn't see, but in this case, it would just really be really hard to see how they would how they would have a cost savings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the one the one thing that we do see happening a little bit out in the marketplace is um, you know the attempt to carve out eye care totally you know where optometry ophthalmology all the medical eye care gets carved out to a vision plan 
Um, mm-hmm. And in some areas, they've been able to to convince certain medical plans that it's in their best interest not to have to credential us, not to have to administer the benefit. You know, where's um, that happening? Um, we we've seen a couple. We we see it in managed Medicaid a lot. Oh um, yeah, and, oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's atrocious. Mm-hmm. It's atrocious. Yeah, Pennsylvania, yeah, in Pennsylvania oh. managed Medicaid is that way completely. Um, the the good news is because we're already credentialed and we're already in the system with Medicare. Again, that's going to take a lot more changes to make that happen under Medicare. Which going the route we're going is is mm-hmm. a lot. So a lot you easier. say. So then the risk at this point could be that they could convince all eye services to go through a managed vision care plan on a Medicare standpoint. Are they mm-hmm. advocating for that right now? Um, I haven't want heard that, that responsibility. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. That, that's just kind of what I could see as the one of the worst case scenarios. I have not heard that. I have not heard that from from the AOA hearing that okay. on the Hill. But okay. but again, it's probably a little too early to go there, too, at this point, you know, um, just because nothing's getting to that point of developing and how the benefit's going to work. But but that's something we definitely want to watch for. Yeah. You know, yeah the, you know, you brought up Medicaid and um, you know, that wasn't what I was planning on talking to you about, but it does, <laughs> it does lead us into a decent segue of um, how do you think that has happened? So I think that that gives us good insight into maybe what could potentially happen with this system over time is to say, well, first, you know, I, I don't, I don't recall. I mean, I, in my mind, I've got a couple of states where Medicaid, me, Medicaid is really great for the patient and it's really great for the doctor mm-hmm. in our state. I mean, it's, it's a nightmare. You know, I, when I get questions from doctors across uh, the state, they're, they're almost exclusively um, just, they're, they're having a hard time administering the Medicaid plans. We've got three different managed vision care plans that administer Medicaid in, in the state, and they all do it slightly differently. They have to, you know, you, you'll have to, so you have to order the lens, make the frame, dispense the frame before you can even get paid. So you might have like a lab bill that you've already paid and you got nothing for that. I mean, it's just like, that seems crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Pennsylvania, we have, we have a subcommittee of our third party center that deals just with managed Medicaid. Um, and they, they actually have a call with one of the Medicaid vision providers on a biweekly basis to deal with all the problems and issues that come up. So the good oh news is we, we do have a lot of, um, information data on how it just doesn't work when they carve out that type of of system. Um, But I think really a lot of it comes down to, and in Pennsylvania, you know, some of the medical players in the Medicaid field, you know, maybe they're not really the biggest fish in the sea. So they're happy not to have to credential optometry and, and deal with that piece. They don't understand how to deal with glasses. They don't understand how to deal with that benefit. Um, the advantage with Medicare, Medicare already has that DME system to deal with glasses. So hopefully we can convince them that, you know, they don't need to reinvent the wheel. They can just deal with it in the system that they have already set up. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think these systems are in place. You and I, I mean, I, it, it dawns on me that we would never like think to go out and cheat the system it, where, where we would say, oh, we're just going to have a patient that has, you know, glasses, we're going to submit this and, and all these sorts of things. But that's why all those things exist, right? That's why all those checks and balances exist. It's for the few bad actors. In this new system that you're sort of proposing within Medicare, it would be really challenging. You know, I mean, obviously you could 
be fraudulent by just saying we have all these beneficiaries that are coming to our office and and buying stuff. But but outside of that, it would seem that there's the less people involved. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you look at utilization rates and and you could see, okay, well, you know, Dr. Ice is seeing 40 patients a day, but he's selling, you know, 400 pairs of glasses a day. That's really weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's, I mean, it, it makes sense. What other things am I missing that an, that an opponent would, would try to bring up about this? Yeah, I, I you know, we've, we've talked a little bit with a payer or two that has kind of reached out to us. And, you know, I, I don't see them like diving into this. <laughs> you know, like you said, there's there's definitely, you know, Medicare administration is is a bear. You know, we know it just from having to recredential and all the hoops you kind of have to jump through. Um, so I don't know if they're really in a huge rush to get in there. They just don't want to be blocked out. And if there's an opportunity that one gets in, they all want to get in. Hmm. So, <laughs> you know, so, so I don't know that we're, we're missing too much. It's just, it's just a matter of, um, communicating with your legislators. I mean, yeah. you know, all these legislators have to know that, you know, the AOA is the, is the source that you want for information on how to help design this benefit, you know? We, we don't want these people with other interests, their own financial interests getting in there, you know, and corrupting the system. Um, and the bottom line is, you know, if, if patients want managed vision care, you know, the Medicare Advantage plans have that, you know, the Medicare beneficiaries have the ability to go and choose a Medicare Advantage plan and, and have that. So it doesn't really- That's need... interesting. They could still do it. They're not getting chopped out of the market. Right. Yeah. They just- you know, the, so they don't really need to have that piece in Medicare to give the patients that option. So that's yeah. another another strong argument there. Yeah, that's a great point. So tell me, so I guess that's a, that's a great point to leave it. Um, for uh, AOA members to contact their legislators, mm-hmm. easy button, what is it? If you, the AOA actually just sent an email blast out. So okay. if you're an AOA member in the last two weeks, you would have gotten an email and there's a link right to the, to the legislative uh, control panel. And you go in and basically you just have to enter your name, your address, you know, and, and a couple other little pieces of demographic information. And they actually find your legislators. They create the letters telling them what, what to say. You can go in and, and adjust it a little bit and put some of your own information in if you want. You push a button and it goes out to them. So, um, you know, so it's, it's really easy to do. Um, obviously, if anyone wants to reach out to me personally, I have no problem, you know, forwarding them the, the um, link, you know, to do that if need be, if they can't find it. Great. Um, I'll put your email in the show notes then today. Great. That would be fine. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And if there's any other questions, you know, we're, we're glad to be a resource for that. You know, Steve Ice, thanks so much, man. This is great. This is a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, thanks, I'm going to have you on soon again. Okay. Yeah. Anytime. Obviously this is going to move forward. September 15th is one of the deadlines to get some of the stuff in place. So if you're going to reach out, reach out by September 15th, and I'm sure we'll have a lot more up to update going forward. So great. Thanks a lot, Steve. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate it. Thanks. You too.